Joe, why was the snowman so happy? Why? He heard the snowblower was coming. <laughs> hey! I'm not done laughing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Carnival Personnel. I'm Jacques. I'm Joe. And we have a very special guest today, uh, all the way from, uh, from that shithole Canada, via the shithole Japan... <laughs> Our friend Biff. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> Thrilled to be here. Yeah, I can tell. Um, so, so, anyways, we'll, uh, we'll just jump right in. Basically, every place is a shithole, according to uh, Blotus. Well, starting here. Look at this place. <laughs> I'm at ground zero. It's shithole central. Uh, but anyways, so, so before you know, before we jump in, so Biff and I have been friends way, way too long. Uh, we've been hockey buddies. Uh, Biff has had the Fortune or misfortune to um, drive to Phoenix with me from L.A. a number of times? You know, if you enjoy this podcast and want <laughs> six straight hours of it, take that drive. Well, you must like it because the last time Biff and I drove to Phoenix, it was like six, six and a half hours. We, we, we left crazy early. We are so close to the hotel. And then he had seen some like... And he keeps driving right past him. I'm like, what's going on? Oh, I saw this place on drive-ins, diners. What is? No, it was some. Yeah, some one of them of those shows. Yeah. One of those yeah. shows that you like. And we drove like 45 minutes past. You know where we're going, so he could eat there. That that I'm like, okay, so I can't be that horrible in the car if he's willing to go an extra hour and a half. And then, because uh, I'm not a social media guy, especially back then. We sit down, and I had never seen this before. I didn't know it was a thing, and Biff starts taking pictures of his food. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, on Facebook, I have a – there's a group of us that when we go to different kinds of restaurants, we we take pictures of what we eat. And I'm like, wow. I, You know. Yeah. You were just you, well. You're just behind the times. I, I, man. No, it wasn't. It it, it, it it truly it wasn't that he was doing anything weird because I guess that's that's the thing. It's actually kind of brutal getting this disparaging remarks from you know right. based on your living habits. But okay. <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying it. I, 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 I'm, yeah, yeah. How many yeah. bags of Doritos would you post on your Instagram account, Jack? If you, <laughs> I, I'm not a big Dorito guy. Oh, I'm sorry. Who? Uh, uh, as a burrito I, guy. As I, right. There you go. Now you're talking. Um, no, but it was funny. It was the first time I'd seen that. It always stuck with me. And then I'm like, oh, the funny thing is when I told people, oh, we went to this restaurant from the show, how many of my friends were like, oh, how was it? I saw that place. And I'm like, okay, so I, I knew I was behind the times, but I didn't realize, okay, I didn't realize people did this on social media. I didn't realize this was a real big show that people watched, but it was one of those things. I'm like, Oh, so I'm the weird one because I didn't know all this. That's the Guy Fieri show, the diners, drive-ins, and dives. And the, yeah, and the funny thing is uh, that that dude really annoys me. But Wait, you're the only one. Okay. I know it's it's amazing, right? Because <laughs> yeah. like, there's no ongoing Seth Meyer jokes about it or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, but yeah, we, we Biff and I, you know, have a mutual friend who's in TV development, and his production company just partnered with Guy Fieri's company. Uh, this is uh, Farachi. Okay. They pitched six Guy Fieri shows. Guy Fieri is doing so much with their production company, Levity, that they decided, okay, it's costing us so much money to use these production facilities. Why don't we just partner? They pitched six shows of his for next season. All six got picked up. Wow. Yeah. Nice. And it's one of those things. It's like here on sports radio, they like make fun of – like a couple of years ago, they – 
somehow they got a fake interview, like the Toucher and Rich, the sports guys, had a fake interview, and they thought it was, he was calling like some morning, mad, you know, some – some, some, like a Kiss 108 yeah, morning type thing. Kind of show. And they were completely bagging on him, and he didn't get it, and he thought they were the coolest guys oh ever. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. and, and then it's like about a half hour later, his publicist called. <laughs> but years later, they like they met him at a Super Bowl, and they're like, oh, my God, we met him? Nicest guy right. ever. And now we feel like such douches, and they've actually become friends. I know. I, I don't doubt it. It's just, you know. We uh, mock we mock. That which we don't understand, yeah. which is why we're yeah, we're constantly mocked. I wish somebody would mock us on Facebook I, or Twitter. Well, I actually have a fundamentally food based reason for being annoyed at him, but but you know on this podcast, no, I let's mean, hear it. Let's hear it. Well, if you have watched the show, you realize that the dude will not eat eggs. Like he goes bananas when try you know people like they have those you know kind of runny eggs that go over food, and that's you know that's a common thing, and. It's like, how do you have a show that has the word, you know, diner and not eat eggs? Right. So he doesn't eat eggs personally himself on anything. Right. So they have these, you know, items that have eggs or like soft cooked eggs. And, you know, the thing is to kind of crack it open. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Keep that thing off. I don't want to eat it the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> what if he has a legitimate, like, fatal allergic reaction to eggs? Yeah. Well, yeah. Right. The, wouldn't that be all the more the right reason? Right. right. Exactly. I'm sorry. Final episode. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I can only do it this trick once. Is that like the, uh, whatchamacallit, the, uh, the Austri- uh, Australian, uh, the crocodile hunt, the hunter oh, guy. Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, a little Steve Irwin. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah, was, that too, was that too soon? Yeah, very soon. Yeah, too okay. soon. Uh, no, it's... <laughs> that, so it, I'm offended. It Finally, like, somebody offended me on this podcast. Completely be, be, being, uh, you know, off topic. Um, a little while ago, I did one of, one of my favorite jokes, and Biff, Biff has jumped in. So, like, unfortunately, like, Biff, our friend John and I have done so much of the same routine for, like, 20-some years. We... we we work well together, especially on the road. Um, my impression of John Kennedy, for instance. Like, one day I'm like, I'm going to do my impression of Kennedy. And I, you know, fold my arms, pretend I'm in a casket. And Biff was like, no, 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 Bobby Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy. Aww. Right. And, it's, and everyone's like, okay, Jacques's horrible, but I didn't know Biff was in that. <laughs> so, like, recently, I, I, I did that to my boys. It's like, you know, they're talking about my dad. I'm like, hey, you want to see an impression of my dad? And I did that. And both my boys are like, ah, uh, that's really funny, but that's – and I'm like, you want to know my dad's last words? I'm like, what? I'm like, uh, 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 and they thought that that was the best. So flash forward a couple of weeks, you know, till, till the other day, you know, it's just me and them. And we're sitting at a light. And my oldest one says, um, oh, you want to see my impression of Papa? In a few years, and he does that. He does that, and his brother and I, we think that's hysterical. He goes, you want to know his last words are going to be? Uh-uh. I said, no, my last words are going to be, squishy, don't do. <laughs> Anyways, but so I want to Let's have, not talk about offensive things. Let's move on <laughs> let's to something. Move on to so I wanted to have Biff on because, A, he's in town. The problem with having Biff on Cuts our listenership in half. (laughs) Actually, it should double it. He'd want to listen to it twice. There you go. Because he's also a narcissist, I'm imagining. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I definitely want to, you know, recall this entire conversation again. Right. Who wouldn't want to relive this? And, and, And so, you know, one of the great things when Biff and I would take these crazy drives, Biff, Biff truly, you know, having, you know, been, you know, Born and raised in Japan, then lived in Canada, then lived in Hawaii, um, has traveled all over the world. It's nice to have somebody else like oh, – there's lots of times, whether it's a sports thing or whether it's a political thing. It's like, okay, well, without being, okay, you're MSNBC, here's a Fox News side. It's like, okay, well, here's kind of how somebody who 
isn't a citizen here, but lives here and feels in the, you know, and lots of times I, you know, get uh, get talked off the ledge by him and uh, a, a voice of wiser reason. But he's in town, so we asked him to come on. So belated, thank you for being here. Uh, my pleasure. And why would you want to come back to America? <laughs> 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 what brought you back? Well, obviously, it must be business. No, 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 no. I, you know, I, listen. I love. I love the country. You know, there. There's no other place that has this many NHL games that I have access to. So, uh, mm. among other things, I mean, Canada has a few teams, but what can I say? Well, you know, it's funny. This isn't on the talking points, and we usually talk sports later. Really quickly, do you have less of an interest in the Olympics because no NHL? Uh, I don't know that I do. Uh, listen, for the last, how I don't know how many Olympic cycles, the only sport that I watched was ice hockey anyway, and I'll still watch it. It doesn't change it. So in that sense, and I think it's great to have some guys who kind of were under the radar or uh, obviously for the last 20 years have been passed over because the pros have been going. So, you know, th the guys are going to care. No, I think I was one of the first people who, or not the first people. I was one of the people who did not want NHL players coming in. But at the same time, I mean, it was obviously when the NHL started to come in, the Red Army, which was still a thing, they, they were a professional team. I mean, there's unarguably, you know, if you want to go back to, was it 76 when they did the tour of the NHL and they went seven, one and one, what? six, <laughs> one and one. Right. They had that one, you know, interesting game against the Flyers where basically they, off, they kind of – Wanted to not come back on the ice after the Flyers kind of beat it, beat them up physically, but yeah, I think that's the only game they lost. But otherwise, they and, kind of yeah. And so I mean, they they could be. And the other thing is, after a couple cycles of the NHL guys being in there, you really got into it. Biff and I were very very lucky. In 2010, we went up for a week to uh, Vancouver, and we saw to to this date, I think it was the best game. Probably the second best game because Biff and I were at the cup game for the Kings together, June eleventh, two thousand. You know, uh, eleven when the Kings. Uh, no, that was the second two, cup. Two thousand. No, no, the first one. First. That one. was the first cup. Yeah. And then, um, so, yeah, right. Because yeah, the street. Yeah. But we were up there and we saw, you know, the 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 Soviet team played the Czech Republic. Well, you know, the Russians. You know, the so Russians. technically not the Soviets, but whatever, right? I it's mean, always yeah. the Soviets. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, but but yeah, I mean to see that and it was crazy because we got. You know, tickets last minute, great. And the funny thing is, hockey is such a small community. Here we are in Vancouver at the Olympics. How many people we ran into that we knew? Essentially, I I, I ran into two groups that I knew. So in, in Vancouver, so it's like, hey, you know, it it was wacky. It was it yeah. was great. But now that you know that the the NHL players for the first time aren't in it, and that's like I I looked up at the TV the other day and I saw a promo. I'm like, oh yeah, the Olympics. Yeah. And I wonder if it's fatigue, too, because honestly, now that sports are like so prevalent and like you used to have the Olympics every four years. Now it's every two between the summer and the Olympics. Then you got the World Cups and the Super Bowls and stuff. Like inter And then there's a lot more international stuff. The interesting thing when you're saying, OK, it, it, that uh, argument always was having the pros in the Olympics takes away. But the World Juniors is now so much better televised and, and, and get so much more coverage in, in the international tournaments and stuff like that. I think we need another Cold War, to be honest with you, to, to really regenerate the interest in Olympic hockey in the United States. You know what, though? Those North Koreans are lousy. I, they players. are awful. And that's why we want to <laughs> make, make American hockey great again. But the South Koreans, on the other uh -huh. hand, who are coached by the first 
Korean-born NHL player who won two cups with uh, with the uh, Jim Pike, Penguins. I guess. Right? Yeah. yeah, he is he is the coach of their team, and I mean he was a legit NHL guy. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. But I never thought I'd say this, but shouldn't we be talking about Trump right about? <laughs> okay, so so let's get into it. So uh, Joe and I successfully, you know, buried our heads in the sand for a couple weeks around Christmas, and I did. I. I mentally made an effort to kind of check out a little bit, which, you know, on the podcast, we always say, well, yeah, I understand the fatigue and all that stuff. But when you see what was signed on on New Year's Eve, that nobody got coverage of when you don't pay attention. And over the two weeks that we kind of checked out, you know, there was a meeting allegedly, in which, you know, Trump had said awful, awful things like, you know, we, we got to get these people out of here and send them back to their huts. Everybody in Haiti has AIDS and all of all of this stuff. And it was, you know, uh, oh, now it's never happened. Fake news. He said it in front of a room full of Republicans. Well, then this just in the past couple of days, you know, they have a DACA meeting, you know, for the Dreamers, in which I guess he didn't say it once. He said it several times, you know, referring to, you know, how, how exactly did he say it? Uh, what, what, do you what, want to take a bit? bit? I, I, you know, it, is it shitholes? Yeah. Why do the Why do we have you to have to, these people come from these shithole countries like Africa? Uh, uh, yeah. No, did he say like no, like did he say like Haiti and an Africa? He said Africa? Africa and like Haiti. Right, Africa. By the way. Great country. Great country. Great co- <laughs> and But then he also ad- amended that by saying, why can't we get people from countries like Norway? Which, if you want to um, have a good laugh, twice in the past month, the ambassador, the U.S. ambassador to Norway has been cornered by Norwegian press who have said – um, are you going to retract your statement? Because the guy made a big statement that parts of Norway are no-go zones that are completely under Sharia law and that you can't go in unless you're a devout Muslim. The police won't even go. He said that at like a, a confirmation uh, or at a um, – I don't know if it's a confirmation hearing, but at a, at a formal um, congressional hearing. And he's like, oh, well, I never said that. And, and <laughs> unlike American press who kind of will – Back off certain things. They're like, oh, we have it right here. Play. It isn't isn't this you? Says you. It looks like you. This, this isn't you saying this. And then Norway, which, by the way, a press release went out a couple weeks ago uh, welcoming the Norway prime minister to the White House. Like, I can't spell. Anybody who knows me, I'm lucky if I get my name right, you know, <laughs> on an application. I, I'm dead serious. I cannot spell to save my life. You know, um, it's part dyslexic. It's part being stupid. And part, well, I think I covered it. Yeah. I mean, but you're no Donald Trump. You know, you're, you're no, I'm going to be racist. Now I'm going to be a little bit racist. Now I'm just going to be overtly racist. Like, when is he just going to drop the N-word? When is it going to well, happen? Anybody in his base? Is there anybody who's going to... Fuck his base. His base will follow him off a cliff. Right. Well, that's what I mean. So who would be offended by him saying that? Nobody. Is it offended already? Oh, that's just... Everybody says that. Like, you know, you had had congressmen or people who would defend his shithole statement by saying, this is the way people talk. And no, there was a guy that went on CNN or MSNBC or one of those uh, networks who said, he's just speaking the way that the average American speaks in the bars about, you know, these these types of countries. Like, you know, this is just plain talk, and w- that's what the president's all about, and, you know, what you see is what you get kind of thing. Right, well, and, and grabbing pussies is just locker room talk, yeah. and that's just how right. people talk. Right, right. You and I have been in locker rooms truly a thousand times. 
Have any of our core friends, like, you know what I mean? Like the All-Star Thomas Sky back, have any of us ever been sitting around saying, hey, we can just go? I mean, when you heard the lock well, talk. And you're not being recorded, by the way. So well, go ahead. you know, well, so, you know, in, in, you know, in these, <laughs> these other people's, you know, defense, I mean, literally, if you look at the guys in the locker rooms, I mean, it's lucky if, you know, any woman, you know, essentially, you know, was willing on the, you know, to walk on the same side of the street as them. So <laughs> in that sense, you know, the opportunity may just not have been there. But yeah, no, no, you know, you know, I mean, certainly, hey, in the locker rooms that I go to, that's not the way we talk. Yeah. I would say maybe you hear in a locker room, hey, grab that pussy over there, meaning like, you know, a wimpy guy. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Unarguing. That's a fantastic point. And they're usually pointing at me. Right. (laughs) And I was pointing at you during the example. So, yeah, thanks for picking that up. Uh, So, Biff still has a brother who lives in Japan. And uh, do you follow, like, Japanese press? How do they cover him? How how does a guy on the street in Japan feel? Yeah, you know, well... It's not, you know, Trump is not necessarily at the forefront, as far as I can tell. Uh, I do keep in touch with uh, with the Japanese language news uh, program as much as I can. So actually, they really care about things like these. Uh, there's been this this awful scandal involving two sumo wrestlers that's been uh, occupying the Japanese media for about a month and a half, wow. and that's what's important to them. So it's really. Unless there's a North Korean missile, Trump is, you know, I, and definitely they've mentioned it, but it's kind of like in that, you know, 12-minute portion of a 60-minute news show. So it's like a lot like the United States. If it has nothing to do with their country, it doesn't make the top headline. Uh, I remember somebody saying that um, George W. had to be the biggest fan ever of, of Paris so, Hilton oh. and Lindsay Lohan because it was almost like clockwork. He would do the unthinkable, or he would say something along the lines, you know, the shithole, stuff like that. Lindsay Lohan getting on the 101, driving the wrong way, you know, or Paris Hilton skill that would come by. So there's nothing new that I can say about, you know, how awful it is that the uh, president might say this. But at the heart of it is, is that we actually had something that was kind of bipartisan, right? It was supposed to be three Republicans, three Democrats walking to the president's office, Pretty much based on, I think, his direction to look provide a bipartisan, you know, solution, and it's just kind of, I think, the heart of of the conversation to me is that, well, we seem to have a proposal on the table, and then essentially it kind of blew up, and now we're back to you know square one or maybe further back. So I think, to me, like, and it's so easy to gravitate towards the Trump, but at the heart of it was, hey. Everybody's saying we need some kind of uh, immigration reform. This was supposed to be the first step. It was bipartisan. Where is it now? I mean, yeah. and then, but that's just the way Trump is. He can't help it. Like he's ta- you're talking about immigration. Immigration triggers something in his brain. And if he's at, he's the head of a meeting. He's got to say something about what he thinks about immigration. And then he just had no filter. He said, "Why can't we?" bring in people from countries like Norway. Why can't we have more of those? And by the way, what do those people look like? I'm, well, a, I'm a little lost. Brown, no, they're kind of a black... Right. Wait, they look what, like me! Right. If they were, if there was a master race, would you would you say that they would be a candidate for said race? Under certain people's purviews, yeah. Uh, so, Biff, you just mentioned it. it. It's kind of a thrown away thing in the news here. A, a true penis size, my button's bigger than yours with Kim Jong-un going back and forth. You better not launch another missile. I'm going to shoot a missile over Japan. When when Japan is like, truly, it's kind of like, leave us the fuck out of it, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, so it is the one thing that, uh, you know, they do care about. Um, 
not, not getting blown up. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, and you know, they have a history no of, you know, they have a history of kind of getting hit with these bombs and stuff like that. <laughs> and they're, it turns out that they're not fans of it. Right. I, I don't know why. Right. But whatever. Bomb um, us once, shame on us. <laughs> <laughs> Bomb us twice. Okay. Shame on us again. But Bomb us <laughs> three times. Time. <laughs> but I mean, and that's the whole thing. It's like he doesn't understand. First of all, one one of the staggering things about the dismantling of like the state department as a whole we we are in this state that we are with north korea we don't have an ambassador to south korea period there's no ambassador and i you just wonder it's like you know how the other countries around there and again like can can he hit california can he hit washington dc maybe maybe not he can hit you know tokyo <laughs> now on the other hand though and you know even though jim's not here I, I'm kind of giving you know the Trump his a little bit of a his props from the standpoint of you know for the first time in, and I don't remember how exactly how many years North Korea and South Korea are actually engaging in talks. Now obviously the Olympics have a lot to do with it, but the fact of the matter is you know it's it's kind of happening now. It might you know, and I'm not I'm not implying that there's direct correlation or anything like that, but I'm just saying you know there is aspects of what's going on now that is. Hopefully, you know, a step forward, right? So, eh. well, you all, mean, no, I, but I, I, also bit, in the yeah. last year, there's been no airplane crashes that he took credit for. And, and uh, did you follow that? Yeah. And of course, okay, wait, but hasn't for the last six years, it, like air travel got safer and safer and safer? There have been no airplane, there have been no airplane crashes. Right, right no, we're not happened. talking about the five years before. We're right. talking this year. Yes, and, exactly. Looking but, forward. But it's true because the Olympics are coming there. There's a, there's an onus on both, you know, both Korea's sides of that, you know, to kind of... Well, North Korea basically, I think North Korea is just taking the opportunity of being in the news so much to maybe take this as an opportunity to get into the public eye in a, in a more favorable fashion with the Olympics. And of course, when the South Koreans brought up the idea or the notion during that meeting of maybe working on dismantling North Korea's nuclear armament, there was they were met with dead silence. And then, of, of course, there was tough talk from North Korea after the meeting regarding that. So... It's like it's like Tanya Harding. She doesn't want to talk about the past. Like North Korea doesn't want to talk about the missiles or dismantling the missiles. They want to only focus on the Olympics. I, I understood. I understood. You know. So um, enough. Wait. 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 What, no, uh, what is what this? Is that? What is this? Oh, it's the Trump whistle. Yay! The first Trump whistle of the year. Every time a whistle blows, <laughs> an angel can. So we, we we won't talk about him canceling his London trip after he was kind of. I not think welcome. I blew the okay, whistle. Okay, all right. So, uh, mudslides and not the good kind. Biff, <laughs> tell oh, us what's going God. on. Well, uh, you know, thankfully, my immediate neighborhood it has been okay. My neighboring town has had some essentially streets turn into, uh, you know, mud rivers. And we're talking about the mudslides happening in, in Southern California. In Southern California, Biff right. lives in Southern California in a very um, hilly area. Yeah. So I live. Uh, uh, right at the foot of, uh, essentially, if you know anything about LA geography, the northern border of LA County is a uh, is a series of mountain ranges, and you know they're mountains. There's vegetation, and there's no water, so whatever vegetation grows, hey, turns into you know fire fuel. And mm -hmm. so, uh, obviously, people have seen stuff on the national news regarding uh, a few major fires that occurred about a month and a half ago, and one of them was in my neighborhood, as in like a, it kind of came to about. Two blocks north of my house, so that's. Yeah. that's but your family, but but your right. family was evacuated. Uh, yeah, my family was evacuated, even though uh, you know a lot of the neighbor neighbors in the area did not evacuate, and it was fine for them. But obviously, 
you know, we don't want to make things harder for the firefighters. I mean, they're already risking their lives. Right. We're not going to get in their ways. But there were two accompanying fires, of which one is the bigger um, Thomas Fire, which is essentially kind of started in Ventura County and went to San, uh, Santa Barbara County. So it's a it's a kind of an expensive fire. You know, it, it was a, it was a huge fire. And now all of the communities below the hills where those fires occurred are under threat. And uh, literally, uh, it has buried entire neighborhoods in an area called Montecito. Is the, and it's, it's of note because it's, uh, I mean, Oprah and Ellen DeGeneres live in that area. Uh, I do ha- have a friend who lives in the area. And to date, his fa- house is uh, okay. Apparently, the yard is a, a bit of a mess. And, but, there's you know, there's no infrastructure there now because everything's been wiped out. So... They're saying at least two weeks till you know power and water and everything else is restored in that area. But I mean, if you can imagine, essentially, if you have a wall of mud and water and whatever other debris coming down an entire neighborhood, it's just going to knock everything down. And then the the mudslides were caused basically it's a one two punch. You had the fires, yep. and then you had this torrential rain coming in about yep. you know two weeks later, and just hitting all these decimated lands just created all these mudslides. And I mean, there's there's still what there's still forty people missing. Absolutely, a, yeah. over a dozen yep. confirmed dead. Yep. Um, it's crazy. Uh, when did you, I got to LA ninety five. When did you get there? Uh, eighty three. And so, but in that time, for you millennials, we're talking nineteen eighty three. <laughs> Go on. Uh, in my twenty plus years here, I'm going to say at least three times this exact same cycle has happened, where there's been a devastating fire, like all oh, the worst fires on record, followed by the predictable rains, followed by, and what's crazy, I remember when I first went out to visit there. If you drive, there's certain places where you go, be it the Hollywood Hills or out in Malibu, um, or or where you know I lived in, in Playa for like the last seven years. You have houses that are built on the sides of hills. I mean, anybody a geek who listens to our show who has seen like Iron Man, like Tony Stark's house. There's truly, you know, thousands upon thousands. They tend to be the nicer neighborhoods, the most expensive houses. But you are half built into the ground and the other half on, on, on stilts. stilts. And you're, and it's one of those things. It's like I remember a bunch of people being upset. And we're talking multi-million dollar homes and these people complaining that their insurance companies won't cover them because they had a house that washed away 10 years ago. Well, yeah, but, you know. And – and obviously, I know that people are questioning the wisdom of you know making set, building such a house in an area that can have fire and mudslides and earthquakes. But all that aside, I mean, that that's how the insurance uh, policies are written. I, I actually had to look into it because after last year's fire, uh, we you know we had that potential, and they were talking about the uh, potential for the the biggest El Nino winter. And so we thought, you know, for you know, I think we'll get flood insurance in one of the driest places in the United States because, you know, you know, you want to be covered. Yep. And it's obviously it's more expensive. Right. It's just an add-on. So it's something that's just not. It's actually was a separate policy outside of my regular home insurance. Right. But I can imagine it's probably higher to get flood insurance out there than it would be, say, you know, here. So <laughs> during um during the fires, I was talking to Biff and. You know, first of all, if you live in Southern California, if you've not been there, people like do not realize it's a wilderness. It's it's not a common everyday thing, but you are in you are in their neighborhood. You know, there there are bears, there are you know wild like coyotes and all this stuff. And every time you see a picture of like you know, and you feel bad like of a missing cat, it's like that's. 
cat's not missing, you know? Right. And so even more so during the fires, they were like, hey, there's going to be uh, all these true wild animals, bears and uh, stuff like that. Do not leave your pets outside. You know, you shouldn't really be outside, but do not leave your pets. But hey, by the way, you might want to leave big bowls of water out, like if you can. And uh, I forget exactly how you said it because you got the uh, you got the koi pond. So you're like, <laughs> well, <clears throat> bottom line is that the koi pond, it's in, you know, it's in the waters. You know, they could duck, duck down and the fire will not burn the water. Now it might cook the water. And, you know, it might end up being a convenient meal for some other bears and raccoons and whatever else might pass by later. But, yeah, uh, I wasn't going to evacuate the koi and the turtles. But but you, but you were saying it's like a smorgasbord. They get the it water. Is, yeah, they get a little right. food. It's, it's, uh, yeah. They get some pre-cooked koi. There you go. <laughs> and and to, uh, to quote, you know, Biff also has, like, you know, a pool. And so, so to quote, you know, Caddyshack, yeah. you know, pool, pond. Pond be good for you, the fresh spring water. <laughs> so, so we got that. Look, like, we just got hit with... The worst snowstorm that we've had, like the coldest snap. We had the longest streak of sub 40 temperatures in a row and stuff like that. Since the 60s, yeah. So no matter where you are, I mean. That's the 1960s. Right, for you millennials (laughs) out there. Uh, So, uh, you know, one of the other fun things, uh, uh, you know, talking with Biff all these years is uh, he's not a uh, anti-Patriot guy, but he's a Steelers fan, you know. But Joe and I, a few weeks ago, we did a long talk about. Um, countdown to hating Tom Brady. And, and you know, it's funny. It's like I, I've always, you know, I won't get into the the whole Peyton Manning thing. But By the way, I just want to mention that the rest of the country has already counted down to hating Tom uh, Brady. No, I get and, – and look, and it's getting more and more clear. And it, who, who, who does – who does Peyton Manning advertise for? Like, name the two biggest things he advertises for. Uh, nationwide. Uh-huh. And uh, did he do Papa John's? He is Papa yeah. John's. Like, he that owns, was, like, 50 Papa I had John's. To, I feel really stupid because I had to ask. Do you know anybody, Biff, who doesn't have insurance or eats pizza? Well, yeah, sure. <laughs> Isn't that why we have all this uh, insurance? I'm sorry. We're talking about a different kind of insurance. Babies. Never mind. Right, but Infants. Yeah. but now on the other hand, Tom Brady advertises Ashton Martins and like you know Uggs. He just released an app last week, like a fitness app, a fitness tracker app that cost two hundred dollars for the app. Wow. So Peyton Manning is selling pizzas. Sometimes you can get a phone for less than two hundred dollars. Right, and it's like, and so we were talking about that because just before the season started, there were billboards around Boston. Biff, um, Tony Robbins was coming to town, and. Tom Brady was one of the guest speakers. And it's like, so we were talking about that and this whole TB12 thing. It's like, oh, man, within three or four years of retiring, we're all going to be like, oh, my God, thank you, greatest quarterback ever. Can you shut the fuck up now? Talk about separating the artist from the art. And the thing is, I, I assume, you know, Peyton Manning, rich white guy from the South, probably leans a little different than me. I've never heard his political beliefs. Right. You know, nor should you. Never seen him wear a candidate's hat. Yep. But in the past week, you know, it came out. Did, did, have you followed this the story? And as a Steeler fan, are you story? happy? The story oh, that's in his head. That no, he's no, not the big, the biggest story in sports, like nationwide, like you can't turn. Are talking on. about the trainer thing? No, no, that like that was a few weeks yeah. ago. A story just came out this week, and it was the the uh, writer's name is Wickersham from ESPN, and e- every ESPN show's been about it. The national shows have been about it. A big article came out that says. Kraft crossed a red line because the one promise that he – the reason he lost Bill Parcells back in 96 is player personnel decisions and that he made 
Bill Belichick get rid of Garoppolo. And then on the other side of the coin, it comes out that it's like, well, there were these other teams that offered more for Garoppolo, but that Bill Belichick sent him to San Francisco because he was going to be... And, and if you saw the press conference, Belichick doesn't say anything nice about anybody unless he retired. He was gushing about that the San Francisco are getting a great quarterback. I met with him every week. They have a really good coach. And everyone's like... Belichick and, and then Cleveland, of all people, have been coming out this past week saying the day before, two days before the trade, because the trade deadline was on October 30th, we called. They wouldn't even take the call. We're not open for business. Do not call us. And it turns out that the GM of San Francisco has even publicly said, I was stunned. He called up and said, do you want to make a deal? And the deal was done in 45 minutes. There was one team called, and everybody now is saying, well, Kraft pissed him off. He goes, oh, I got to get rid of him? Okay, fine, I'll get rid of him. But he wanted to make sure that Garoppolo is successful. So unlike other people, he's traded to Cleveland. He's traded to Oakland. He's traded to Siberia. He, <laughs> he wants to make sure so he can turn around in five years and say, that could have been your quarterback because he wanted to get rid of Tree Beach. And then it circles all back. Basically, the whole crux of the article is Brady made it clear to Kraft, I'm going to play. And I don't want to play anywhere else. So Kraft sided with Brady to get rid of the future because at the end of the year, Brady's 41 before next season. Garoppolo's 26. And is great if Brady will probably win the MVP trophy this year. We know that they crushed Tennessee in the playoffs yesterday on their way to hopefully another Super Bowl. But he's still 41. And if you get two, three more great years out of Brady, do you want three B-plus, A-minus years of Brady, or 10 B-plus years of Jimmy Garoppolo. So anyway, so that's been the big thing. And now the fear has gone, okay, we have no backup quarterback. Both coordinators are probably going to get jobs. It looks like you know Matt Patricia is going to get the Giants job and that uh, Josh McDaniels is going to take the Indianapolis job. You don't have a backup quarterback. Tom Brady's 41, and now the talk is, the Giants haven't officially hired anybody. That's all. Giants radio is all about it. Yeah, well, I mean, but part of the problem with the Giants is that Belichick would want the GM job, and the the one job that they did hire was a GM, right? But but, but the, yeah, the Mar family turn around instantly and say, "Thanks, we're going to pay you out." He's our yeah, GM. Yeah, that I, that wouldn't surprise me one bit. But what I, what I can tell you is, you know what? This is at this point all speculation, and as a Steeler fan, there is nothing less than what I'd like than like wanting to see something like this because when it comes down to it i don't think any coach creates adversity or you know negative press into an advantage the way belichick does i mean i just don't think anybody else does and in from that sense i think that's as long as brady's healthy for the rest of the of the of the super bowl uh, the, the super bowl run i just don't you know see how Having this situation is good news for anybody, with the exception of Patriots fans. Yeah, you guys might be worried, but you know what? What's going to happen is going to happen. What I can tell you is, as you know, as a fan of an opposing team, you know, this scares the shit out of me. Well, but okay, think about so over the next couple of years, as a Steeler fan, would you rather see Brady go or Belichick go? I would rather see Belichick go, no question. I mean, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. And now that there is no backup, you know, Brady, they have to keep Brady. But, can, but I mean, can Belichick, yeah. this was the one line in the sand that, that the Crafts promised they would never cross. 
no, and I get it. I get it. But once again, everything that we're you know you're talking about is you know speculative, right? I mean, nothing has happened yet. And if it happens, you know, you could point back to that moment and said, you know what? It's that Jimmy Garoppolo trade that you know that screwed the Patriots. So yeah, so I totally agree about the potential future. But in the end, it's kind of like once again, it's a distraction. I mean, we're in the middle of a playoff season. It's like, I think that's the thing that really matters. And have you followed this? Another very unpatriot-like thing. Talk about douchey. It came out this week, and please tell jump in if you can remember the guy's name. It, it's, a, it's a pretty known director. There is a new documentary that starts airing on Facebook in two weeks. It, it comes out in between the AFC in between the conference championship game and the Super Bowl, a new documentary called Tom vs. Time. And if you've heard the clips of it, it's like, well, well, here's the other thing. Now Tom Brady cannot not play till he's 45 years old. His entire business model of the TB12 is he's going to play till he's 45. And he's been saying it for a couple of years. Now that he's actually putting a documentary out there and, and they keep playing the clips. And it's like I said, we were worried about three or four years after he retires. So if I'm looking at the article now, it's apparently a six-episode documentary created by filmmaker Gotham Chopra. Great name. Right. Never heard of him. But he, he's the son of a famous director, Chopra. And, um, so, uh, son of he, Deepak Chopra? You're right. Yes, that Deepak is. Chopra. Okay, well, okay. Deepak I thought, Chopra is I thought you were going to think, you know, Frank Chopra, who directed <laughs> It's a Wonderful Life. You so know, Frank <laughs> Frank Capra was a techer where I went to school, Caltech. Oh, awesome. Amazing. Amazingly enough. But but so that's the douchiness thing. In the last week, he releases a $200 fitness app. I mean, he's selling like crazy, like, I think it's like $500 to buy his special pajamas and he sells match i mean he's selling to the one percenters peyton's out there you know selling pizzas to this everybody and that's the thing it's like okay so how unpatriot like is it that we mock we mock like antonio brown last year on facebook live in the locker room after the divisional round game but yet here's tom brady having a documentary come out in the middle of a playoff run called tom versus time and you hear it and, and he's been more if um you were to put Tom Brady versus Time. <laughs> who would win in said matchup? Who's who? Who's driving the bus? Right. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> who's father Time? Six hundred to four. Right. <laughs> and now, as a uh, Steeler fan, what are your predictions for the AFC conference? I mean, despite their loss earlier in the season, and despite the fact that the uh, Steelers. You know, they do have a history of losing twice in the same season to the Jaguars at home. I still think it's a Patriots-Steelers uh, uh, championship. Does Harris have any impact on the game? Well, I'm not so sure it's it's anything having to do with Harrison having any impact on the game as much as just looking at the teams. I mean, the Patriots are a better team. I mean, are, are, if, if, the, if the three Bs are there, if the killer Bs are I, healthy— I think if the killer bees are there, you know, they have a chance, right? But I mean, I mean that Patricia defense gives up a lot of yards, but you know, they have the, you know, the bend don't break kind of a setup. So, you know, when you have a game breaker like Antonio Brown, you know, he's the one guy that could potentially, you know, put a uh, crink in that. But I just I just think on top of that, I think the biggest issue really is is that I just don't have any confidence that the Steelers can uh, stop the uh, New England offense. I mean, well, that's where it comes down to. Yes or no, would it have any impact on the game if, like I've been saying, James Harris is standing on the sideline with a big binder that clearly has a label that says not Steeler playbook <laughs> yeah. and, and, and just keeps doing nothing except going over 
talking in Matt Patricia's ear and pointing yeah, at yeah. different things, N- not yeah. actually saying right. it because Tomlinson, we're already in his head. I mean, look, I I can't speak for the Steelers, right? But I think that given sure that you can I speak for the Patriots? Yeah, but you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> What I what I like to think is that the you know this is a team of professionals and you know they have a history of going deep in the playoffs you know they you know this coach has gone to two Super Bowls and so I think that you know they'll do what they'll do and if they're worried about Harrison having the uh, you know the playbook and whatever you know they might you know do whatever they're going to do to try to put in some deception into that whatever the case may be in the end you know they know where he is they know that he could provide them whatever insight that he has. So in that sense, the fact that he's doing something for show, I, I don't think it matters. I mean, they, they fully understand that whatever knowledge that he has is now, you know, Patriots property. And that's the way it is. Well, guys, this has sure been a fun podcast and you know what? We're just in the middle of it. So why don't we take a break? We'll regenerate with some TB12 uh, sperm juice or whatever the fuck he's selling. <laughs> Concussion water. Concussion water. Right. And then we'll take a break by listening to this week's defunct sponsor. Here comes co-star O.J. Simpson, Daryl LaMonica, Glenn Dawson, Harvey Schultz. Harvey Schultz? Yes, Harvey, champion at pro-star electric football by Coleco. Now with Coleco's exclusive offensive quarterback, he passes, complete touchdown! He kicks for the extra point, and it's good! Watch this instant replay. Action football, pro-star or collegiate from the Coleco world of sports, where the action is. So, one of the other reasons we wanted to have Biff on, and I gave Biff heads up many, many months ago, um, one of the popular segments of the show, by popular, I liked it, and it made Joe laugh, is when we did This Week in Boston Breaker History. (laughs) And Biff had made many comments on it. Biff is probably the most knowledgeable hockey person I know, and I'm not just talking the NHL. I'm talking hockey across the board, and I said I wanted to bring you on, have you Skype in as our senior WHA correspondent. Uh, so with that said... And what is the WHA? The World Hockey Association. Thank you. Yeah. For you millennials out there. And, and, what, and was the, what is or was the World Hockey Association? Well, you know, you know, like the USFL. Oh, never mind. You don't know what. Uh, uh, okay, listen. Our was, fans know what the USFL was. Yeah. Anyway, it was a renegade uh, a, a league that co- tried to compete with the NHL, and it didn't survive, but it actually, uh, to this day, there are legacies of that, uh, of that league. There's a couple of teams whose roots are with these old – uh, WHA team where they literally merge WHA teams into the NHL. Six, so. six teams came over. It was uh, so it was the Oilers, the uh, the Whalers, the Jets, the Nordiques, and the Nordiques. I think those were the just four. Thought those were the four. Let's see. I'm looking online. Okay. Look at my crystal ball here. The Edmonton Oilers, the Whalers, the Quebec Nordiques, the Cincinnati Stingers. Houston Arrows and the Winnipeg Jets. Oh, interesting. But I think, but I think, but there were collapses, though. I think. I think uh, did a couple teams go to the IHL? Because the- right, there were yeah. So I think that there was some kind of, uh, and it was this weird collapse thing that happened. And you know, when it happened, I was in Hawaii, so my hockey news uh, sources weren't really that good because back then they didn't have this interweb thing. So the funny thing is, or the funny thing, this backstory: it was twelve. You moved from Japan to Toronto. 
Uh, so from Japan to Toronto, I was age, uh, say, seven. So, and that's when your love of hockey was right. born. And then he, uh, his parents decided, or no, your dad got transferred. Right. It's like he, he falls in love with hockey and it gets moved to Hawaii. Yeah. Where there is no ice. No. Uh, well, there there are, but they're in glasses, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and they're delicious. <laughs> they're delicious. Those mudslides are fantastic. All right, so uh, and and my love of the WHA, I was always a Whaler fan. I started off as a New England Whaler. I have the first program from their first game. Uh, it, it's when the house was that the first time the house played together. Did they play in Houston? Well, they started off in Houston. They did. And then they, yeah. Okay, and then and then they they wound yeah. up uh, with Hartford together. Uh, I don't know. Did they start off in Hartford? Were the Whalers always in Hartford? Or well, did... they were called the New England Whalers. So at I don't the time. remember where they played. Yeah, I think they did play in Hartford, but I can't remember the reason for the name change. And it was at the AFCO Cup. Was that the AFCO? Yeah, that was AFCO. their Stanley yeah. Cup. And one of the interesting things, you know, about it, it and, and like the USFL, the funny thing is they had money and. The USFL could have been successful. We've talked about that before. The WHA also opened up the checkbook. Derek Sanderson was absolutely, the first big Absolutely, signing. yeah. And they clearly became a threat to the uh, NHL. Yvonne Cornway went there, and obviously Gordie Howe, who retired and came back out of retirement to play. Gretzky started his career. Right. He was bought, and, you know. And, and, uh, uh, Pacers. Yeah, Indiana, Indiana Pacers. Pacers. Yeah. Uh, no, no, Racer, Racers. 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 A great story is he was he's 17, and he yep. technically has to be enrolled in high school. And so he he shows up, he's enrolled, he goes to like one day of school, like three weeks into it, and the principal's like, you better take your education seriously. <laughs> he just had to be enrolled because he was living in the States and all these guys. Like, he's a professional hockey player in the league. Um, but also, you know, Jerry Cheever's. Yep, jumped over. Yeah. I, the Cheevers, like there was like four or five of the Bruins who won the cup in in seventy two, who ended up going. I want to say it was down I, to Philadelphia. Uh, Pie McKenzie. Pie McKenzie was one of them. I, th- for some reason, I thought that Cheevers played for the. Cougars, but I can't remember which team the Cougars were. And, and then, but yeah. And you saw a game. I've seen a few games, and not only did I see a few games, I also saw in 1974 they had the Canada, what, you know, the Canada Soviet series, in which I saw the WHA All Stars. So, yeah, so I've seen a few games. But it, it, what was the Toronto? Was, there, was it a Toronto team? There was, was a, there was a Toronto Toros team. So, Going getting into uh, even though the Maple Leafs were an awful team back then, you still couldn't get in. But I did manage to get into a WHA game, and it was a, it was a great you know one of my favorite childhood memories where it's like my first hockey game, and my dad was too busy, so one of his uh, uh, staff uh, took me to the game, and then like in the second period, you know a goalie makes a save, puck comes over the uh, the netting, or not, there was no netting, the glass at the time, and hits me square in the face. And I get a bloody nose. I don't get a puck. And then, of course, the guy that's with me freaks out because his boss's kid just got hit in the face with a puck. And so we go home. So it's like I didn't even get to see the whole game. <laughs> Snowflake. You know what? I wanted to stay. I'm a in, hockey in player. In 74, did the, did the goalies have masks? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, by then everybody had masks. Oh. Yeah, Gump Worsley was the last one without a mask. And even him at the end of his career around 72 started to wear masks. So. So the funny, the funny thing when you said Toronto wasn't good, but it's hard. That hasn't changed. Like Toronto just had this big streak where they didn't make the playoffs for like eight years in a row, right. but they are the most expensive ticket in hockey. 
it's one of those things where I hate these fan bases that like care way too much about their teams. You know, not that you'd know anything about that, but you know, there's this extensive talk about how the teacher. It, it's basically the team is owned by the teachers' pension plan, and all all they really cared about was essentially making money. So. Bastards. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to interject a little bit. Please. Uh, while you guys were talking sporting, I went on the internet and I found out that the New England Whalers actually played in Boston their early years. See, I thought so. And I 71 know. to 74, and then they relocated to Hartford. Again, the great Richard. They Dunley. played their home games at Boston Garden and Boston Arena. Boston Arena. I wonder if that's like became Bright Arena. That became the Matthews Arena. Okay. So. I knew it was a college thing. Yeah, um, yeah. So there you go. That's my contribution. Back to go. the sports talk. No, no. We are done with the sports What? Talk. Now it is my favorite part of the show, and I'm honored to have Biff do this for us. Biff, we have now come to the random video game review of the week. Oh, my God. So <laughs> if you would do us the honors of taking off the headphones... Blindly going to his wall of Nintendo Entertainment this Systems, anything there, anything that, and, <laughs> and, and and don't let him see it when you get it. Like I, I won't look. Off. I am gonna turn away and grab. Ugh. All right. I gotta hold the one. So. <laughs> right. All right, so I grab it. That's a load bearing cartridge. Be careful. <laughs> what do I do now? You bring it over here. Don't let him see it. Keep don't it down. Don't let him see it. Here, now I got. It now I have to guess which game you pulled off the shelf based right. on the gap in the wall. Um. Much like the pay wage gap in Hollywood. <laughs> Am I right? Uh, it's not Road Blasters. Ooh. It's, uh, gee, what is it? Uh, I, I, I'm just going to say I know nothing about this game, but I hope you played it based on. Uh, um, I don't know. Is it RoboCop? I don't know. What is it? Oh, River City Ransom. Yes, this is a, a very good game. This is actually... That, it looks like Emilio Estevez on that cover. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then like a sort of like the poor man's uh, Steven Seagal. Like in the like background. There's a, the, like there's such a thing. Right. <laughs> right, what's the rich man Steven Seagal? Um, River City Ransom is a... Actually, it's a very good game. I, I, I was thinking more when you're a jet, you're a jet all the right. way. But hey, you know you know me and my show too. Right. It's it is it's a pretty fun game. It's actually it's more of like a mature game. You're in a gang and you fight other gang members, but it's almost like a role playing game. You go, it's a, it's a beat 'em up where you go, you know, from street to street, beating up thugs. And then when they die after you beat them up, they leave like money behind, and then you use the money to go in and buy like brass knuckles, narcotics. And, oh, yeah, okay. exactly right. Hookers. Um, it's notorious for being the, I think, only in Nintendo Entertainment System game to feature man ass. Oh, wow. That's right. You go to the gym, and then then you go to the locker room, and, when, and yeah, you, you do. Yeah, I know. Oh wait, what? Right. <laughs> and as you're taking a shower after you work out or whatever, you your your character will turn around and kind of like you know it's facing the wall away from the the screen, and you see ass, man ass, ladies. So and it's a good game. I don't know. I think what and now we're gonna go to the official Nintendo uh, guidebook by Pat Contry. I'm gonna guess he gave it three and a half stars. Way or off. Four five star game. He gave it five stars and wrote the review himself. Right. All right. Here's a little excerpt from the Ultimate Nintendo guidebook. It's up to Ryan and friend Alex to rescue Ryan's girlfriend in this groundbreaking beat 'em up RPG hybrid. The game is non-linear and divided into more than a dozen areas that are connected left-right by walking or traveling up into pathways to lead to another section. 
players will take on thugs from several th- themed themed gangs, like the Jets <laughs> and the Sharks, <laughs> usually two at a time. And uh, yeah, five-star game. How dare I give it three and a half stars in my brain? But but you've played it, you've won it, you've gone. No, no, no I haven't beaten it. I can't get into RPGs and stuff. Beat them up so I can handle. But when it gets into like keeping track of money and then your stats and leveling up, now it's life. Yeah, right. It's work. I don't. I don't know. And plus, and punching all them mans. <laughs> I'm a lover, not a fighter. What was it? River City Ransom. So now you're going to scramble to find out how much it costs on eBay. Cartridge alone. I'm going to guess probably $25. That, well, that's just what I'm guessing right now. And I'm also vamping <laughs> so that Shaq can find out that it actually goes for $33.99. Seriously, so, you, wow. got, you got some gold here. G-O-L-D, gold, gold, gold. And you can't have my gold. Stay away from my gold. Uh, Biff, next. Moving on. Fun. Uh Netflix TV shows. What's the, what's the latest thing you've been watching? Oh my god! You know, I, I watched Diddley Squad, but you know what? I can recommend um, a Netflix series called uh, Midnight Diner. Um, if you're willing to sit through Japanese TV shows that is, you know, subtitled, but uh, it essentially revolves around this uh, restaurant where it opens at like a, a late night. And they have one item on the menu, and anything else uh, you can order. And if he has the ingredients, the guy will make it. But the the core of the show is actually, um, it kind of starts with a food-centric theme, but the show is not about the food. It's about the story uh, around the food, where how the food kind of drives a person or affects a person or whatever. So if you've ever seen this old Japanese movie called Tampopo, which is a classic uh, in the foreign uh, movie uh, catalog. It actually kind of is similar to that. Lots of food stuff in there, but the story is really about people. It's just that you know, there's a just happens to have a food connection. It's so. a scripted drama. It's a scripted drama, so it's absolutely a scripted drama. But yeah, but it's really about you know. So it's a kind of an interest, and it, you know, there's part of it is is just these oddball you know characters and so on, and. And you get to see what Tokyo looks like. So there you go. Yeah. Is it a Netflix original? It's well, it's actually, you know, it's it's Netflix original in quotes in that it was produced in Japan and they brought over select episodes of that series. It's like um, when you said like reading the subtitles, because that's that's the interesting thing about the Japanese language. It's like they have a different word for everything. Two, anyway, <laughs> what are hey, you I'm all about subs, not dubs. What are you watching? I am watching Black Mirror. Oh, you got into that. Yeah. I'm actually I skipped ahead to the fourth season and I'm watched the first three episodes. Uh no, four episodes. Good. I actually recommend Jacques this week at some point. You watch the first episode of season four of Black Mirror. It has a Star Trek element to it that I think you'll appreciate. Done. Yeah. And it's just it's it's good. I mean, it's Black Mirror. I can't overhype it enough. It's isn't it Twilight Zone ish? Is it sci fi thriller? It's sci fi. It's uh, the Twilight Zone. It's like mature themed. It's like uh, it's a fucked up Twilight Zone about technology. So it takes place like all the stories imagine like taking place fifteen years from now, twenty years from now, thirty years. From is, now. is each episode its own? Yeah, it's, it's an anthology. It's an anthology series like Twilight Zone. So yeah, you can just jump right into any any episode. But yeah, I I'm I'm into it. You know, You've Black Mirror. 
Have you? I have. No, I you know I've seen I've seen the you know the so called uh, hype around it and you know it sounds interesting, but you know it's I'm check so, it out because it's it's almost like you you don't even have to like it's not a long commitment. Yeah. You just sort of like check out like oh yeah you know that's that that works out so much better. And so that's that's the part of the reason why I watched that show that I watched because they're you know individual vignettes, right? Yeah. That's the thing is I've been, I want to watch Stranger Things, but I know it's sequential, so it's like I still haven't finished straight season you know, two. It's only eight. Eight episodes, nine episodes. What's pretty short. It's pretty. Yeah. It's it's great. I mean, um, so I also haven't listen. Seen Star you know, Wars. I know that you have a bit. You know, despite your busy schedule, listening to you know Boston sports radio all day, <laughs> you know, you find the time to hey, do this. Netflix. I listen to it at night too. <laughs> you know, and during the NHL season, it's hard for, harder for me to you know get into you know any kind of a series. So right. Right, but so because there's so many more games. But the, the great thing about Netflix is that it's, all, it's always there. Yep. It's always there. And you, Jacques, and I know that I, I know what you're going to say, but well, say it. Uh, Joe, Joe ruined my night last night. Um, Sorry about that. I went to my parents. They took my little guys out, and I just hung out there. And then it was like they live closer to the rank in the morning. I'm like, I can get up at five thirty and at five o'clock and get to the little guy to the rank. So we stayed there. I'm passing out. It's seven o'clock. I can't keep my eyes open, and I'm like. Joe had texted me saying, you got to watch the new Letterman Netflix show, you know, with with Obama on it. So I watched that, and I'll talk about that in a second. But you've also mentioned Chappie, I think it was last week. And a couple weeks before that, you mentioned Jim and Andy, or Andy and Jim, Jim the documentary. I'm like, okay, fine. You know, I'm just going to watch the first 10, 15 minutes of this, like two hours later. Yeah. Midnight. I'm like, curse you. Uh, But Joe recommended Letterman's new show. And it's called uh, My Next Guest Needs No Introduction. It's no nonsense. It's like, well, it's, it's Letterman being funny, but there's no big sets. There's no props. There's no band. It's him sitting there um, with his guest. And his first guest was Barack Hussein Obama. The president, the 44th president of the United States. And, and, and I had texted Joe, all kidding aside, because everything I sound says so sarcastic. Truly... When he said that, you know, and he and he kept referring to him as Mr. President, you right. know, uh, it's I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an Obama fan. I always was politically. I liked seventy percent of his policy, seventy five percent of his policy. There's a lot of things I didn't like, but man, yeah, you listen to him talk. And he speaks intelligently, and he's like, he, you honestly, this guy's like a learned guy. He's a true leader. He knows policy. He knows, he knows compassion. He he understands, you know, the psychology of humanity. He's like, he, you listen to him speak, and then you can't help but compare him to the shit fuck well, that we have to deal with now, now. Now he, they mentioned it. They didn't, they didn't belate the point, but they did mention. I think a lot of people believe the point. Truly, truly, <laughs> thank you. Truly, forget the shit storm that he came into. He came into. The worst economy any president had come into ever. You know, I mean, yeah. it, he he came into two wars. He came into a collapsing economy, a banking crisis, a housing crisis, the housing crisis. Yeah. You, you go down the list. There, there was the the car crisis. You know, I mean, I mean, we the bailouts were bailouts. The bailout. Yeah. It's Obama and Letterman sitting in two chairs on a large empty stage in front of a live audience, and they didn't know who was being brought out. They had shot a bunch of like pre things when he went down to Alabama to and Selma. To Selma. Well, yeah, he had a thing with Representative John Lewis, which was <sighs> heartbreaking and just like hammered home the point 
that John Lewis is a hero. He 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 walked the walk. He taught. He's the actual walk. Yeah. So he literally walked he the walk. He had hoses turned on. And he, he had would, rubber bullets fired. And at he him. and if it weren't for John Lewis, there would be no President Barack Obama. And bro, and the other one of the takeaways that I had that I really liked is a part of the conversation was two dads. I, I mean, I mean, my the greatest leader in my lifetime so far. You and I like have Letterman on on a pedestal that you know most people need binoculars to see, and they were such. You know, when he was talking about like how his daughter was with the poem and, and kind of being, you know, a handful, and he's like, "Oh, I keep waiting for you know his son to outgrow that face and right. stuff like that." Yeah, so yeah, they were just, um, and they were great, and 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 Obama was funny too because he mentions. I don't want to, we don't want to spoil it too much, but he talks about the beard and then he does a little line about the I beard. You clean up by now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's a, it's a good watch and it's a monthly series. It's coming. So there's a new episode each month. Next episode is George Clooney. But when you listen to Obama speak, uh, yes, he has the pregnant policies and stuff. He is just so, you know, dignified yes. and. And, and inspirational, and you, you could tell that there's a brain there, and it's I mean, measured. With, I, mean, I mean, at the same time, I mean, how can somebody who's done what he's done be be as humble and defacing as he is? Like, I mean, and and, and he's also not only is he just a self deprecating, I mean. self deprecating. Yeah. Thank you. Not only is he just a dad. One of my I, favorite... I just I just imagine you know Obama going on a tagging tear, defacing, defacing you know, right. buildings was, right. all over Chicago. Well, he did say he partied for a while, so maybe he was a defacer. But, but you know, the other great thing is like you know he's just a dad who deals with his daughters. But uh, and then when he talks about like you know, well, I can't be president again because you know. Michelle would leave me, <laughs> and I, I don't want her to leave me. Right, it's great. Yeah, Biff, do you have any place to go that you can't stick around and do a sideshow? Oh God! Like, so I didn't, <laughs> we're losing light here. I didn't even ask Biff. Like, I've just known Biff forever, and uh, you know, some of the things that I want would love to if you can do a sideshow is honestly, you know, um, it's going to be a short show. And no, yeah. it's not because you mean a shit show. Because I, show. you know, I, I want I want Biff to. Uh, I, well, I want to pick your brains and, and have you tell some of like my favorite Japanese culture stories. That sure. I know. Do you feel? Yeah. Do you think you're qualified? Could you, enough be, to could it? you be more Japanese next time? <laughs> so wait, wait, wait. So you're literally asking for qualifications in this podcast series? No, yeah, <laughs> right. Exception to the rule. No, right. I'm trying. Well, to- or you could leave, and we'll talk about Japan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, for the podcast, uh, for the sideshow this week, on a scale, uh, 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 on a racist scale of zero to Jacques, where would Turning Jap playing turning Japanese coming into the podcast <laughs> rank as a lead into it. Uh, <laughs> what you know? You're gonna do whatever the heck you want anyway. Right. Like like my opinion matters. By the way, I'm the one who edits the podcast, yeah, and I, so I'm, I don't think I'm gonna be doing you like that. that scale. I like the zero. To sh- yeah, that's a that's a long <laughs> scale. Yeah, we're gonna go to China Girl instead. Okay. Because, you know. <laughs> Because you know the Japanese and the Chinese, the, the yeah, we can't allow. Uh, and, and don't forget the Koreans. It's all. It's really the same. The, I, I will quickly tell this story, uh, and, and we'll bring it up on on the sideshow. There is a heavy Japanese influence in our dressing room on for, on F and H Friday night hockey. You know, we we got Biff, we got a couple guys whose wives are Japanese, and I just remember it was great. One of the guys whose wife is Japanese, you know, guitar center Scotty. He's late. I'm late. You know, Biff is out on the ice, and there was the old guy, the old goalie, and he looks out on the ice. He goes, "Oh, who's out there playing goal?" It's like, it's like, you know, that's Biff. 
He goes, oh, the Oriental guy. And Scotty Black and I, like, he's, this guy's like in his 70s, and, you know, he's probably doing the dirt now. But, and, and Scotty Black and I had that look where, like, do we hmm. even bother to tell him that, no, Biff's a person. He's not a rug. You know? <laughs> it's like, to be honest, he could have said a lot worse things. Oriental was kind of like the politically correct version of what he could have said. And, and the best thing about, like, you know, our locker room, it's like, it's, it's, the podcast it's the 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 and it's true the locker room talk in our room is is horribly racist stereotype thing directed at the people of that race and stereotype like you know that's really the only way you should treat racism i mean, I mean seriously you know <laughs> what, you know what is sax nickname Go ahead. Are you gonna make me say? You know, I'll just I'll just say that you know, there's a great movie reference from a Brad Pitt movie where he might have said the word Mexican, but you know, uh, yeah. yeah. So I mean, oh, it, it's something it, that Jack already said. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I, I you know, um, but but it is, it's it's really fun. But when somebody like that comes along, it was like, oh. So man. we're going to diversify our racism by talking about Japanese culture on our next side show. And, right. Yeah. We're going to really learn about the... You're going to learn nothing. <laughs> no, I'm going to learn about how more racist Jacques is. You know, we've only talked about, you know, the Mexicans and... Oh, no, no, yeah. And yeah, the well, Jewish jokes and... You know, um, yeah, my, fav- my favorite, you know, F&H story is we have our friend Patty who emigrated to um, Toronto from Jamaica when he was 12 or 13. And Patty's, what, 6'2", 6'3"? He's a big, yeah. big, you know, guy. And I remember there was a newer kid on the bench, and he's like, you know, in between shifts, he's like, wow, yeah, I've never played with an African-American before. I'm like, oh, if by African you mean Jamaica, and if by American you mean Canada, then you're right in the right <laughs> place, you fucking race. And and it's a newer guy, and it, you know, he's a younger kid, and he had this look of like, oh. Right. And everybody else around him is just silent, just absolutely silent. Yeah, he's sinking into the ice. Yeah, and they're like just letting him hang out to dry. And then there is a everybody. Everybody just like you know yeah. die laughing. That was one. That was a fun thing. But that's I think I just described. I encapsulated twenty five years of F and H in one thing. You know, with the exception of uh, is is truly the highlight skating with an eighty nine year old. Absolutely drinking. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, and the guy, you know, he. He prepares for uh, his session by first setting aside beer for himself for after the game. And then he puts his gear on. So, yeah. <laughs> and seriously, Biff and I started skating with this guy when he was in his mid-60s. Yeah. He's now – he turns 90 in April. Yeah. Um, or will he? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he, Oh, uh, I mean, but he is – he tells the yeah. worst, lecherous, old man, dirty jokes, and they're always hysterical. Uh, wait, are we talking about John or Paul? Because I don't <laughs> You know, John's not that great of a joke teller, and he doesn't tell that many jokes. But yeah, but, but and and I keep I keep debating whether I should open one of the shows, and I do. My favorite jokes of John's are: Do you want to buy a toothbrush? And uh, <laughs> the, the 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 shitter door off a '68 tuna boat. Um, Why don't you just start by? Telling the punchlines only. Well, no, and then look, because honestly, these are twenty-minute jokes. Oh, even right. if you narrow them, so people will forget that I. Each told joke them. will have its own sideshow. But uh, but Biff, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Wait a second, we we we, we would be oh. remiss if we didn't do a patented Jacques parenting tip. No, you know what? Let's start with Biff. What you got a parenting tip of the week? 
Oh my god! You know my kid's eighteen. You know, make sure make sure your kid gets a driver's license as soon as he's able to, so you're not your damn you're not a damn chauffeur for that kid. Or you haven't got him the Uber <laughs> app. <laughs> uh, actually, I'm going to take that to heart because okay. my son is turning eighteen this month, and he, he don't he don't drive. He's he's afraid of cars. See, on the other hand, I am seriously worried. About my seven-year-old, <laughs> I, I guarantee you. But before before my seven-year-old is twelve, he will drive a car without permission from either of his parents. Am I wrong? You you know him pretty well, and hopefully it'll be your car. It would be yeah, exactly. Okay, so here's my. That's parents. shocking because I'm sure those kinds of tendencies are not at all in your genetics, right? Then no, that's hereditary. Oh, it's 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 great when these stories come up because because when it snowed last week. It was perfect. It, it, we had a blizzard. Were you here for that when for the snowstorm? Did you get in? No, I, I got in when it was after the blizzard, but super cold. It was so it snowed where we live. Truly, a foot in about eight nine hours. And I was looking out. I was lamenting, and I called my brother. This is perfect bumper sliding weather. And when I was about 14, 15, my brother's 13, 14, we would take my parents' car like down the street at like two in the morning. There was a brand new industrial park. It was about an a mile straight away, you know, in the middle of nowhere before, you know, the office park. And we would, bumper sliding, for those who don't know, you would basically be in a crouched position, you know, your feet together, holding on to the back of a bumper, you know, and, and it would have to be not a plowed street, you know, and that's what we were doing. <laughs> anyway, so my parenting tip of this week, it is the playoffs. Um... I come from a long line of degenerate gamblers, truly. Uh, I I knew all about points, breads, and over-unders and parlays when I was seven. Uh, And I think it's important to pass along enough knowledge on how gaming works in in the betting world. Not enough that they think they can do this for a living like my grandfather did. Um, Note, he did it for a living. Didn't do it well. Um, uh, but just enough so they're not the outcast in the office pool. Like, they don't have to win <laughs> yeah. the Super Bowl pool, but make sure they're not out in, like, the first round. You don't want them betting on colors. Right, exactly. Racist. No, but but because uh, my sister did this, like, last year when we were staying with my sister. She has all the, like, the little pennants for all the football teams, and she puts them on, on the door to her living room, you know. And last year, I took all my nieces and nephews and my, you know – little dream squashers and we went and they bought a candy bar each to put in a box you know for the football pool and it was and it was fun you know what i mean they had it and it's like how they pick their teams you know like you know like the little guy picked fal the falcons in their game because i think it's an overwatch one of the guys like power-ups is called the falcon punch so he's like so it's like no all right, I get that, dumbass. But you got to take into consideration <laughs> is that, that Matt Ryan is playing on the road. <laughs> kind of like the Diane Chambers method of uh, picking. And back in there's a Cheers episode where Diane basically, pe- well, of course, the, a bear is going to beat up a dolphin. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh, it, is she wrong? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that was the gist of the episode, right? She does these crazy things and she, all her predictions come true because, you know, it is a scripted TV show. Right. And- what? That's sacrilege. You realize what city you're in the shadow of, sir? By that logic, all bills should be the biggest pussies in the world. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, man. But now, back to Biff. Thank you for for coming in. Uh, Everybody at FNH who's listening, you know, you want to fly to Boston and be on the show because Biff came here for one and one and only reason to be on the podcast. Am I right? Yes. I came. (laughs) 
to Joe's house. Right, yeah. <laughs> For <Well>, one he, <laughs> singular reason. Well, that's why we have the couch down here in the basement. Not because of just casting, yeah, but, yeah. you know, if you want to crash. Hashtag me too. Right. Uh, um, what do you have? What else do you have to say? Do not forget 